All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mound City, we are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Uh, good morning, friends. How we doing? Everybody good? Good. Because Amy Marks Kors is here. I'm Chris Ranji. Hello. Welcome into the uh, Chris and Amy show. It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep. It's a great uh, a great day. We got a lot of texts, Ranj, yesterday. Because Charlie Brennan, you yeah, know, our Charlie old friend Charlie Brennan. Yep. He was here filling in for you, picking up the slack yeah. while you were out of town. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people happy to hear Charlie. Uh-huh. He said, kind of hurt my feelings. Oh, because they weren't. Happy that you were. They were here? just so excited to to see Charlie that well, uh, I. Uh, he's I, an institution. I, he is an institution, and You're, I wanted to say, what about? What about he's, me? He's he's a whole. You know. No, it was a it was a lot of fun having Charlie in again. So. But it's, I'm glad you're back, Ronge. We missed you. Hey, we've got plenty of uh, good stuff to talk about today. Oh, boy. In well, fact, some stuff that, that kind of came down the pipe in the last That's few what minutes. I was going to say when you said everyone's doing good. Not, Not everybody. everybody. Uh, listen to the show on the Odyssey app, wherever you are, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Also 98.7 FM and 1120 AM. We have phone numbers that you can contact, and we love to hear from you. 314 314- Four three six seventy nine hundred. That number is good for calls and texts. Leave a voicemail at 314-944-1120. And then we're on social media. The handle's the same everywhere, at Chris Amy KMOX. The order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, immigration is certainly a big deal. We're going to talk to an immigration attorney at the bottom of the hour and get an update on how things are going at the southern border. And the St. Louis Business Journal conducted a survey of executives across the country. And here's the question they asked. What comes to mind when you hear St. Louis? We'll discuss their answers. And apparently Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are a psyop. Oh, man. Deep state, baby. Yeah. So can I can I uh-huh. I'm going to say a quick a quick note here. You know, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan. I know some would call me a detractor. You are the response. Of it's disgusting. People to, it's, how you behave toward her is disgusting. But go ahead. Well, but I, just want, I was I was against Taylor Swift before it was cool to be against Taylor Swift. Okay. Right. I just want to make I'm not that sure clear. it's cool to go against her because now. With all of this pushback to Taylor Swift and how much people hate it and the, and the far right side of the political spectrum it really hates her and thinks she's deep state, gosh darn it, they've done it again. The Republicans now are making me come to the defense of someone that I don't really want to like. But you know what? Leave Taylor Swift alone. <laughs> she's a savvy businesswoman, so I don't like her music. 
Who cares? She's smart. She knows how to handle herself. She knows how to conduct herself. She knows how to keep herself out of scandal when she is under perhaps more scrutiny than anyone else in the world. And now her boyfriend is in the Super Bowl. That's a lot of fun. Leave her alone. Yeah, leave Taylor alone. Like, come on, look at me. Look at I have to look what you made leave me do. Taylor is what alone. Taylor Swift would say. In the words of Taylor Swift, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. That's, now I you know now what? I got a defender because yep. people are like, oh, deep state. No, listen, buddy. She's just hugely popular. Here's why me not liking Taylor Swift is not personal to her, but then the rest of the, you know, the right side conspiracy against her is personal. It's not personal because, one, I didn't really like her music before it was cool to. And, two, I kind of feel the same way about Taylor Swift as I do about Stanley Cups. It's just not my thing. Well, and Everybody's obsessed with it. You know, I... Uh, okay. I, you know I guess what I mean? I see, I'm not yeah. saying that Stanley Cups are a Biden operative. No. I, I know what you mean, though. It just it became a thing. It became a thing. The, well, the difference between the two is while Stanley has been around for a long time... Yeah. She's been cultivating a fan base for like two decades. Yeah. So these people have been with her for a very long time. The Stanley Cup thing is new, like in the last three weeks for a lot of people. And I'm never a fan of a cult of personality. And there is that. There is that. It'd be crazy and naive to ignore that there is a cult. And I'm always wary of cults. It's why I don't like one reason why I don't like Donald Trump. But then then like with Taylor Swift, don't be culty. Culty is weird. So, Amy, there was some news that's um, yeah. that's broken here over the last. It's the murmurs have been out there for I, I guess about a day now, maybe twenty four hours. But um, more, yeah, I started hearing the murmuring yesterday. So this is from Jake Sherman, who is with Punchbowl News, and this was tweeted about well, about thirty minutes ago. And just as a heads up, if you haven't heard of Punchbowl News, Jake Sherman founded it, but he's also with NBC. NBC. Yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of out, outlets now that are picking yeah. up on it. This is not just a... Mediaite a, is picked up on it. Right. Yeah. So here is the tweet. Breaking news. The Justice Department is conducting a criminal probe into Cori Bush. According to six sources familiar with the investigation, the Justice Department subpoenaed the House Sergeant at Arms for records relating to the misspending of federal security money. Much more coming up in Punchbowl uh, today. Mm-hmm. So that's all we have for the moment. But um, our representative from St. Louis, in fact, I believe she's my she is my representative um, where I live. This is a big deal now. So she is being investigated by the Department of Justice. Yeah. And she. I, you know, there are people that I disagree with their policy, you know, and I don't dislike them as people or I don't necessarily think they're bad people, even though I disagree strongly with their views. With Cori Bush, I'm sorry, I don't think she is a good person. I just don't. I have been, her policies are very, very extreme. Uh, She doesn't get anything done in Congress, not only because she's a freshman congresswoman, but because she's seeking fame more than actually getting things done. And she was one of the very, very last people to stop using the phrase defund the police and actually saying she wants to defund the police even after Joe Biden said, no, that's Democrats don't want to defund the police. Meanwhile, she was spent, she had spent over a half a million dollars of taxpayer money on own private security. When she was asked about it by CBS News, she had the rather infamous quote, 
They would rather I die. You would rather me die. Is that what you want me to see? What you want to see? You want to see me die? You know, because that could be the alternative. End quote. Because she said she had important things to do. So do people living in her district who want to be able to get to work safely. Um, so she and, and that, of, of course, um, she has had other policies, ideas and statements that have been controversial. But we will keep it. We don't know much yeah. about this other than that there is a DOJ investigation. I, I don't know if she's a good person or not. I don't know her personally. I've never been in the same room with her, never spoken to her. So I, I have no idea. And I do recognize there is a difference between a person who's a public figure and probably receives a decent amount of hate throughout the course of a day, whether it's letters or direct messages or emails or whatever. I'm sure Cori Bush gets a lot of that. Where we she get does, them. I get them. Uh, but not to the level not she does. Not to the same level. And I'm, but... I'm sure, not to the level where you need personal security. But I can't imagine that she would. I, it does not surprise me that she would need personal security. But you understand um, the optics of that and how it looks oh, very hypocritical yeah. as if she's uh, more important than the people, than her constituents. No, no, I don't think it's that she's more important. I think what it is is there's more of a direct threat to her. Where being a t- an average person going out about your day, there's not really a direct threat. There aren't people constantly bombarding you with hate and messages and whatever. However, the bottom line here is if she's done something wrong, if if this investigation comes back and they have found something, she needs to go. Yeah. She's got to go. She's got to go. There's there. You cannot defend people like this. And I am tired of... So many people across the political spectrum going to bat for clear criminals. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying she is yet. We don't know. We don't know for sure. There's an investigation that's pending. So we'll find out in the end. But if she's done something wrong and they found it, she's got to go. So She's got to go. George Santos has to go. Bob Menendez has to go. Anybody who has committed a crime uh, while they are on watch has to go. And here's the thing. I, and I've said this before. I said this the day that she was celebrating her victory over Lacey Clay because she beat a cornerstone in St. Louis politics, an incumbent in Lacey Clay. She was, you know, a protester uh, in Ferguson after the Michael Brown incident. And you can look at her story and say, that's pretty darn impressive. It's also a pretty darn awesome American story of here's this uh, mom who is also a protester and she's working and she becomes a U.S. representative defeating, upsetting the, an incumbent, a, you know, political family. That's a great story that I can absolutely give her credit for that. The problem is when we look at the extremes on the Republican side and the extremes on the Democratic side, she is the extreme on the Democratic side to the point that within her own party, she can't get things done. Um, and so, again, so she's the one that defeated Lacey Clay. She's also being challenged by the current St. Louis County prosecutor, Wesley Bell. So this is that whole district right. to tie everything together. That's who would be who is challenging her in this next race. Well, we will follow it and we'll let you know. The punch bowl says they'll have more detail midday, whatever that means. Guess it could be an hour or two from now. So whatever that update is, we are going to bring it to you. The Department of Justice is um, investigating Corey Bush for wrongdoing. So we will, again, keep you posted. Uh, that's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. We, right before the show mm-hmm. started, we uh, teased this idea, a survey out um, talking to people from the outside about what they think of St. Louis and the St. Louis region and what the respondents say. 
We asked you, what do you think? 314-944-1120. Feel free to leave us a voicemail or call us at 314-436-7900. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Chris and Amy's show on KMOX. All right. We were talking about St. Louis. Uh, mm-hmm. Right before the break, we teased that, uh, well, you know, it has it's challenging, I think, being a St. Louisan. And um, how people view the city, not just people who live in the city, but people who live just outside of it in the suburbs have a negative opinion of it. Um, St. Louis Business Journal, which is part of a network of city business journals around the country. So each city has kind of a specific business journal to them. What they did was they um, surveyed subscribers. So there's a very... I would say that it's not a perfect cross-section of America. Well, no, no, specifically executives, primarily business executives, 600 business executives within, um, like, the Business Journal Network. Okay, because what I'm reading here, it says we asked uh, the question to subscribers of American City Business Journal publications across the country. doesn't say specific to um, executives. At any rate, I mean, somebody who does subscribe, whether you're a business executive or you subscribe to the Business Journal, there's a very specific kind of person that does. You know, I don't think the general public, mm-hmm. I don't think most people have that. You're more likely to have a, an STL Today subscription than you are a Business Journal subscription. But anyway, they asked people how they view the city or what's the first thing. They asked them a, a bunch of questions, Asked uh, actually. But the first things they think of when they hear the word St. Louis mm-hmm. and 26% said the Gateway Arch, which is good. That's the highest response. Sports teams, 14%. So either the Cardinals, Blues, or City. And the very next thing is crime yeah. at 11%. Um, also, which I think is telling is that in decline – was a a response often given that people think the city is on its way down. So, I mean, let I'll just read through the top 6 so you can see it. Mm-hmm. Gateway Arch, Sports Teams, Crime, Anheuser-Busch, In Decline, Racial Issues. So that's 1 2 3 4 5 6. Those are the top 6. 7 is the attractions like the museums and such and then museums universities barbecue and good food those were all right at two percent so racial issues was at three percent in decline three percent and so forth well, what i think is interesting um from this and they they say that they conducted this survey and will be releasing different bits of mm-hmm. the survey over a period of several months but the impression by region which I thought was a good breakdown of how people from different parts of the country, if you're from the Northeast or the West or the Midwest, how do you view St. Louis? For the most part, if you live in the South, the Midwest, or the Northeast, you have a more favorable opinion of St. Louis than you don't. It's either somewhat or very positive. Okay. Okay? Um, If you live in the Northeast, 
you have a neutral opinion of them. 32% of people said they have a neutral opinion of them. It wasn't as many people, Amy, and this kind of surprised me, that had a somewhat or very negative mm-hmm. opinion of St. Louis. There are, it does exist, folks in the West don't think very highly of us, and uh, it seems people within the Midwest don't think very highly of us either. Yeah, so what you have, 31% of respondents had a somewhat negative or very negative uh, response to or perception of this of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. That's not insignificant, 31%. No, it's a lot of people. Yeah, and again, um, just breaking down, and this is why I do think it matters who the 600 respondents are, because these were, as they said, high-ranking executives or business owners. For instance, 28% of them have the title of owner-partner, 16% president-CEO, and then it breaks it down, C-suite, senior vice president, vice presidents, and so forth. 26% of respondents come from companies with $100 million or more in revenue. And 28% come from firms with fewer than 10 employees. So big businesses and small businesses these are what we would call movers and shakers, people who could move a branch or employees to St. Louis, people who could invest in the city, who might be interested in doing business with the city. Having a third of those people have a somewhat negative or very negative feeling towards St. Louis is not great. Even the neutral, if you're neutral, then it means, okay, maybe you don't think negatively of us, but you might think better of somewhere else. Well, that's what I think the, yeah. the key is. Um, I have a lot of anecdotal experience being outside the area yeah. and listening to people and what they say. People from all over. I mean, it's not just it's not just Chicago. I mean, there are a lot of people from the Northeast. I met a lot of friends from the West Coast. Um, for the most part, every now and then, I will get a person who says, oh, St. Louis is kind of cool. I like it. But for the most part, it's either, yeah. eh, or it's, oh, isn't it dangerous? Or yeah. stuff like that. It's very rarely, oh, cool, I'd love to go to, to St. Louis. We've talked about this before, but when I was in uh, Tel Aviv, someone asked where oh, I was yeah. from. And I said St. Louis. And they're like, whoa, isn't it dangerous? I, I was in Israel, and they were, like, shocked by how dangerous it was. And thought, like, man, aren't you nervous? I'm like, listen, the whole area is not that bad. I also will say my friends from Miami, now, granted, they're not my best friends, but, I mean, we I flew to Miami for their wedding and such. Uh, they didn't really want to visit here. They're hey. like, uh, they're like, I'm not going to, like, you can come visit us or I'll that's, meet you in Nashville. Dude, that's my life. <laughs> I, I told you my, my, my good friend, Austin, who moved here from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, he moved here from Los Angeles. He's from Nashville. He had moved to L.A., lived there for a few years. He and his wife, his wife is from St. Louis. He had a couple of job opportunities several years ago, one in Nashville and one in St. Louis. Every single friend told them, we'll come visit if you move to Nashville. Right. Which Which isn't fair. That's a real kick. It is a kick. And St. Louis has great options. I'm just being completely honest. Our friends from Miami never came here. (laughs) Yeah, let us know what you think. 314-944-1120. Feel free to leave us a voicemail. We're going to talk Southern Border when we come back. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Defund sanctuary cities once and for all. Put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. Go back to the Remain in Mexico policy and instead of catch and release, go to catch and deport.
That's Republican candidate for president Nikki Haley talking about the southern border. It's Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji today. And uh, just after 1030, it's good to have you with us. And it is also good to be going to the Quiver River Electric guest line today for the first time. And we bring in immigration attorney Kate Lincoln Goldfinch. She is the owner and CEO of Lincoln Goldfinch Law, operates out of Texas, and is with us this morning on KMOX. Kate, we appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks. So um, you heard those comments from Nikki Haley. We did see uh, Mike Johnson, Representative Mike Johnson yesterday, uh, Speaker of the House, saying that uh, basically the, there need to be zero illegal crossings. Um, that's what the number needs to be. Otherwise, everything is is not acceptable. When you, as you listen to what's been happening in Congress and the discussions that have been happening, what are you taking away from a lot of it before we even get to the Senate border bill? Sure. I mean, it's, very concerning. You know, I'm a resident of Texas. I live in Texas and we've got a constitutional crisis slash potential civil war brewing uh, because the Supreme Court ordered last week that the Biden administration can access the border, patrol the border, remove razor wire that Texas has put in place where where they need to. And, you know, the way that our government functions, the way that our separations of power functions is that when the Supreme Court issues an order, we must follow it, you know, and if 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 we start having a democracy where we just disobey Supreme Court edicts, then the entire, you know, fragile democracy that we have will crumble. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So the Supreme Court last week says the Biden administration has authority over the border. Greg Abbott issues a statement that he's not going to allow the Biden administration to remove the razor wire and that there's an invasion in the border. And, you know, there's a convoy of truckers coming down. There's support from Republican governors around the country. And it's heating up to be, you know, essentially a battle, a battle between the state of Texas and the federal authorities where the Supreme Court has already weighed in. And that's, I think, for me, what is the most concerning about all of this is that, you know, the once this happens, then what happens the next time the Supreme Court issues something and, and some state leader doesn't doesn't like it? I mean, the last time this happened was during school integrations. And, you know, the, the, the president had to commandeer the National Guard. And whether that will occur this time, we don't know. But it's, um, it's a very unsteady, um, concerning moment um, for all of us, I think, in the country, but uh, particularly those of us who are here in Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a humanitarian crisis. It's heartbreaking. Um, you know, it's it's intimidating at times when you see the images at the border because we need secure borders. All countries need secure borders and the integrity of that border. At the same time, you want to help immigrants who want to come to this country. So I am pro-immigrant, um, but I'm also pro-orderly legal immigration. And we just sure. don't seem to have... That at the border and on one side, you have maybe people who want to allow a bit more chaos at the border and having people cross the border. On the other side, you have people who are pushing back, uh, but then are maybe deemed prejudiced because they want a more secure border. And I don't think either of those 
are fair. I think we should be pro-immigration. We need immigrants. We need the families. We need the workers. We need the people. But it's out of control. And that's not good when you can't vet people. When, like you said, you live in Texas and those cities are being overwhelmed. We're already seeing sanctuary cities get overwhelmed. I know the the busing thing has been very, very controversial. But Mm -hmm. what it has shown is cities get quickly overwhelmed. And it's kind of what Texas has been saying for years. I mean, yes, and I think one thing that's really critical is that there's a lot of untruths being told about what's happening at the border. Uh, The reality is not that Biden has open borders. It is not the situation that Biden is just saying to all the immigrants who want to cross here, you know, Shelby Park and Eagle Pass, just come forth. That is just not accurate. In fact, some data just came out from the Cato Institute that the Biden administration has deported at the border more immigrants than any other president in history, and in fact deports three and a half times the numbers of immigrants that the Trump administration did on a monthly basis. Um, and so it's th- there have been lots of shifting policies and confusing policies, and part of the reason for that was we closed the border to immigrants during COVID. And then the public health crisis ended, and so then we went into this situation where uh, there was really a lack of a system to process asylum seekers like we used to have. So for 20 years, we had this system where asylum seekers could present at the border and they'd be temporarily detained and screened under a credible fear interview process. And it wasn't a perfect system, but it functioned. Then we just slashed it and took it offline during covid Now we have not that anymore. So we have, you know, maybe we have a parole program in place for certain Venezuelans and Cubans and Nicaraguans, and then maybe somebody from Mexico is not subject to Title 42. You know, it's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and there's nothing consistent. And that creates, of course, confusion amongst everyone, including including the migrants. And so the failure to have an understandable, steady system for screening asylum seekers causes the problem. But but on top of that, we have so many conservative Republican lawmakers who frankly benefit greatly from scaring people, right? They get a lot of campaign donations. They get a lot of support when people are scared. And they say things like, oh, open borders, invasion, you know, fentanyl. Meanwhile, you know, I was down at Eagle Pass. I was watching a press conference um, and, you know, overlooking this field of migrants. And during the press conference, I watched four people get carried out because they had fainted for lack of water. And yet the congressman is standing up there claiming that they're, you know, carrying drugs on them. And it's like these people don't even have basic life necessities. They are not drug traffickers. So I think combating untruths about what's actually happening at the border is a really important piece of this because it's so easy to flash an image of people crossing a river or people waiting in a field and carry a headline of an invasion at the border. And boom, that's what everybody thinks is happening, but it's not accurate. Immigration attorney out of Texas, Kate Lincoln Goldfinch, is with us on KMOX. I mentioned the Senate border bill. There is a bipartisan agreement but apparently will not get very far uh, with the House of Representatives. As From what you know about that bill, what do you think of it? I mean, you know, I, I don't I, – it's been years since I've held my breath on anything making its way through Congress. I mean, what I can say is that overall what we need is comprehensive immigration reform that accurately reflects the needs of our economy. 
that increases family-based immigration, increases employment-based immigration, increased temporary work status programs so that people can come and work and they can go back. That type of bill would be the best thing we could do for this nation, for our economy, and it would also simultaneously calm things down at the border. But the problem is that whenever we get any type of legislation moving, the only thing that conservatives want to talk about is border enforcement and punishment as opposed to expanding immigration. And so, you know, first of all, nothing ever gets through. We we can't even have, you know, permanent status for the dreamers. It's like, if we can't agree on that, then what are we going to get through? But secondly, I mean, what we really need more than anything is expanded immigration. And, and I think that the reality is over the years, as our baby boomer population ages, as we don't have laborers to care for them, as our economy struggles, it's just going to get more and more obvious and more and more difficult for our economy that we have a lack of labor. And then we're going to get, you know, I don't know, five, ten years down the line where we're all going to be suffering so much that the only choice is to finally agree that immigration is the solution. And what's so frustrating is that we could make that decision now. We have this amazing opportunity as a country that everyone wants to come to, where we could flip a switch, literally, and have an infusion of qualified workers in our economy. And yet we won't do it. And I'll go back to the reason for that, I think, in my opinion, is that there are certain politicians who personally benefit from scaring people and making people believe that immigration is a dirty word when they know it's not true. It's not true, but they get a lot of campaign donations and a lot of, you know, press coverage when they talk like that. Yeah, no, I I think there is a lot of that, a very ugly side of the immigration conversation. I, I do think there are conservatives as well. And even those who are maybe just a little left of center, who see the crisis and and know that something needs to be done. We need order at our southern border. Uh, CBS News came out with a poll that said um, a lot of Americans, uh, the majority of Americans, are unhappy with the Biden administration's policies, and that could be based on policy misunderstanding for whatever reasons. People aren't mm-hmm. happy with it. I, I'm that person that sees that our rhetoric matters during whether it's during presidential debates when we're talking about borders and immigration and how that filters down rightly or wrongly to people in very dire situations, you know, collapsing countries. Why would you not do everything you could to just throw yourself across the border or your family? I I keep going back to during COVID, we saw people fight at Target for toilet paper. So imagine those Mm -hmm. same people are trying to get across the border. So in that sense, I... My heart breaks for those people, but it's just there are so many. We've got to figure out a system where people are getting through who need to get through. Uh, we can keep track of people. We know who's coming here. And there's it's not gaming the system or just saying asylum when they've already gone through countries where they would have asylum before they got to the U.S. border. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with what you said. And um, I've had a lot of conversations with these people. And this is the thing that you know, when you have this perspective of speaking to the migrants, um, you know, I'm thinking like a couple of weeks ago, I went down and I was at a, you know, church in Piedras Negras, which is like, uh, it's on the other side of Eagle Pass. And I, that day I spoke to, I don't know, 20 people. And the, the vast majority of them had all suffered something that most of us 
here have never even had to contemplate. Like their child was murdered by the gangs and they filed a police report and then they themselves got attacked, you know, or stuff like that. Just story after story after story of um, things that these people have gone through that drove them out of their homes to our border. And the fact of the matter is they are incredibly resilient and brave and impressive people to have gone through what they've gone through and to get themselves to the border. So there is this segment of this immigrant population that are legitimate asylum seekers and they deserve our respect. They are not bad people. Um, And then separate from that is overall, what's happening? Why do we have, you know, people coming to our border um, who are, you know, economic migrants? Maybe is it, you know, what are the push factors out of their countries? Is it economic instability? Is it global warming? Is it political disruption? And what are the ways that we as a nation can support our neighboring countries so that things calm down and people can stay in their homes where they want to do that? And so it's a that's a long-term vision. So in my mind, the solution here is, you know, c- clean up and clarify our asylum laws, Invest some resources into settling things down in our neighboring countries so that people who want to stay home can. And then most importantly, get honest with ourselves here internally in the United States about how we actually do need immigration, pass laws that reflect reflect the needs that we have so that the jobs that we have here for immigrants also come with a way to come here legally. Because what we have here is a bunch of jobs for immigrants with no way for them to come here legally, right? So if we fix that, then all of a sudden everything falls into place. But that requires our leaders to come together and be honest about what we need instead of getting up on, you know, a pulpit or whatever we want to call it and just talking about how immigrants are bad and dangerous and violent and criminals. Like we've been here before. We've seen people in the past talk like that about Italians, you know, um, Irish people, Chinese people, Jewish people. We've seen it all before. And we haven't learned from the past because we're doing that exact same thing again. It's just that we're targeting now South and Central Americans. And it's just repeat, regurgitated rhetoric and enough already. I think we just need to, like, demand that our leaders tell us the truth and pass laws that support our nation. Kate Lincoln Goldfinch, appreciate your time. Thank you for talking with us today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Kate Lincoln Goldfinch is the owner and CEO of Lincoln Goldfinch Law, operating out of Texas with us here on KMOX. That's Amy Marks Kors. I'm Chris Ranji. It's the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Lots of airplane news, Ron. Again? I don't know if you saw this, but a man is uh, being charged with a crime. It was on an Aeromexico flight to Guatemala because while they were on the tarmac, he opened the exit door, the emergency exit door, and walked out onto the wing. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. 77 of his fellow passengers have written a letter in support of the man. They said he did it to save our lives. Why? Because the plane was delayed. They were on the tarmac for four hours, quote, without ventilation and without water. Oh. So everyone was freaking out 
and upset and crabby because they just sat on the tarmac and it was hot and they were thirsty. So he opened the exit door, walked out on the wing. Now he's being charged with a crime, but all the other passengers are saying, quote, he saved our lives. I don't understand. (laughs) The tarmac thing? I I do not get it. Isn't it to keep them on time? Isn't it if they leave the gate? I don't know what the answer for it is. But I do not understand how it's how is it allowed? I don't know that you can keep people on a plane for several hours and it's not moving because I, that's the worst part of a flight is when you're yeah. just sitting there after you, they've closed the door and hey, you're ugh. freaking figure it out, man. Yeah, like get, get people back into the airport so they can at least you know chill out or something because you know if it's especially if it's hot. If the plane is not moving, that air conditioning does not work. Right. It's hot as hell it's in there. One of my least favorite parts of flying is that part where you're just sitting. And then we heard horror stories of people who were there for like nine hours and the toilets were overflowing. Ugh. Did you see this um, story about Elmo? Mm-mm. Elmo's Twitter account. He just tweeted yesterday just for fun. Elmo is checking in. How is everybody doing? And you have to go read the responses because all of them are people just telling him how awful their life is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Oh, my God. Uh, poor Elmo. Poor Elmo. He's just checking in on people. And he's getting inundated with all of our problems. All right. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. You've got KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.